Welcome to my world. You mean outer space, Moon? Yes, outer space. <laughs> you got the vibes for a lifetime. And you're tuned in to a podcast that I know has to be growing on you episode by episode. And if, if it hasn't, and if you're someone like, you know, Moon vibes, I don't know if I can get behind this. <laughs> Listen, uh, but analyst, not an expert. <laughs> you got to know this, bro. Be patient with me. Let me grow. <laughs> I started this podcast recently, but it's something that I've been planning for quite some time now, ever since last year, where I decided to give my fantasy insight and to the people, to you, uh, because I wanted to present fantasy in a fun, fluid, energetic way that's relatable to the audience of people that don't know football, but also people that do know football at the same time. Now, that's already hard enough to do, so it takes a special person to do that. And I think through my communication skills, through my ability to storytell, through my ability to be creative and genuine, but also I'm able to help you understand why this game is something that I love so much. I entered into the fantasy football headspace because in 2016, I was going through a depression that was taking a, a great psychological toll on me and it was, wasn't allowing me to be my best self, nor was it allowing me to radiate at the highest level how you're supposed to, right? So I said, what can I use as a, a gateway tool? At that time, I used other things like, you know, marijuana. I used things like um, drinking. Uh, wine was my personal preference and choice. I used all these different coping me mechanisms, but... It was a different type of reality when I when I used fantasy football as an outlet to get me into that mode and into that zone where I'm saying like, hey, this is something that I can use as productive and not counterproductive if you following me and you stand on the wave. Now, grab your surfboard and let's catch this wave and let's tell you everything that I say is not going to be 100 percent perfect, especially when it comes to bold takes. That's the point of them being called bold. You're stepping out on a ledge and you're just speaking something into the atmosphere that you feel on a hunch, on an urge, on, a, on some information, taking an educated guess based on the information that's provided and making a bold take. But beyond that, all of that would be nothing if y'all don't understand what I'm saying. So... That is the reason why I take pride in doing this. This is the reason why I do this. And that's the big picture of all this. Now, yes, this podcast is going to continue to blow up. Yes, this podcast is going to continue to, you know, do what it does. But none of that is within my control. The things that was in my control is talking to you in a manner that's respectful, that's unapologetically me, but also that's <laughs> has, has, has charm and charisma, right? But also it has realness and... On this episode, we're going to get into some real talk. <laughs> I promise you we are. We're going to get into fantasy uh, factor fiction on some, some of the latest news that's going on in the NFL. We're going to talk about it. And we got to talk about most mailbags. I got some questions that need to be answered for you, the audience. And we're going to continue our breakdowns of the stats that actually matter for the wide receiver and the tight end positions. And all of that is going to be coming very soon on this episode of Fantasy Vibes. But before we get started into the show, I want to give a special shout out, like I said before, to everybody that shares, subscribes, likes this podcast. Um, if you really enjoy it, leave a review. I really appreciate it. It greatly helps us in the exposure. And um, word of mouth is very powerful. 
So continue to share, 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 share with your friends, share it with um with your mom, share it with your sister, share it with your brother, share it with your friends. Like it don't matter. Even if you share it with your enemies, I don't care. <laughs> hey, they might need to uh, learn about fantasy football too. And through moon vibes, maybe maybe we can convert them. You never know. So coming up first, let's just go ahead and get to it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself as we get into another episode of FV Fantasy Vibes. Real talk, and I'm not holding back. <laughs> Let's just call it a spade a spade. Out of five tight ends, out of all the tight ends in the entire football league, national football that league that is, not football, but football, right? American football. Out of the five tight ends, out of the many tight ends, I should say, <laughs> let me rewind. <laughs> Out of the many tight ends that's in the National Football League, do you know that only five eclipsed 100 targets last year? Did you know that? No, right? Now you might be like, Moon, what's the target? I'm going to explain that in a second, my guy. I promise you. I promise you. My lady, I'm going to explain it. And that second comes now. A target is when a pass, a football pass, is intended for a receiver or a tight end. Now, it could be a tight end, receiver, running back, or any legal receiver on a play. Sometimes they throw the ball to linemen. But the intended receiver is credited with the target, whether they catch the ball or not. Now, why do you care if the ball is being thrown at them if they, if they do not catch it, Moon? Well, it's because the targets seem to cast a spotlight on the overall intent of the offense it's telling me what the coaches and the quarterback wants to do to attack the defense because it's all about attacking the defense and defense is trying to attack the offense but the problem is that the defense doesn't know where the offense is going that's why they have film study things like that but back to the point Targets give you an insight into who the team thinks is his best players or the matchups that they want to exploit, right? So we go back to what I just told you. Out of all the tight ends in the entire National Football League, there's only five last year that eclipsed 100 targets. Five. Two of them are getting all the shine. One of them is a tight end that everybody seems to fall in love with this year. One of them was pretty good last year, but people don't really, people seem to think that he's about to fall off. And then another one is just like, we're just kind of tired of the team. So it, I feel like that's what casts a shadow on him. But those tight ends are Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas, Travis Kelsey, and TJ Hawkinson. Think about that. Now, Darren Waller actually led the tight ends with 146 targets. Travis Kelsey had 145. So that's 145 times that an offense said, hey, I want to get you the ball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what it is. Logan Thomas, 110. Evan Ingram, 109. TJ Hawkinson, 101. After he was dealing with some injuries, too. Now, you talk about, like, receptions. That's where it kind of separates. Receptions. I'm going to break down receptions, but it's a catch, essentially. 
you got targets. You were being attended as the the guy that's supposed to get the ball, whether you catch it or not. And the receptions is whether you, when you catch the ball. Makes sense. Receptions. Travis Kelsey, 105. Darren Waller, 107. The next closest is Logan Thomas with uh, 72. And TJ Hawkinson had 67. And then last but not least, Everett Ingram. So what I take away from that is, you mean to tell me Everett Ingram had 109 targets? But he only caught 63 passes? What kind of... <laughs> we talk about receiving yards. This is where it really goes crazy. And you're probably like, Moon, what are you doing? Like, why are you telling me all this stuff? I have a method to my madness. I promise you, my guy. I promise you. Travis Kelsey had 1,400 receiving yards last year. Darren Waller almost cracked 1,200 receiving yards last year. This is crazy. We talk about air yards. We'll get into that a little in a little second and why that's important for tight ends and receivers. But you want to know what the air yards were? The top two studs were the top two studs. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, out of the 1,416 total yards that he had receiving, <laughs> the amount of air yards that he had for the ball is in the air, traveling to him on the catch, was 1,216. 1,216. That's crazy to think about. <laughs> crazy to think about. I can break down so many more stats for you, and I will. But this moon's mailbag is to show you that sometimes you got to look deeper than the surface because you probably didn't even know that Logan Thomas had 110 targets last year. You probably didn't even know that Evan Ingram had 109. Sometimes you got to look at the bigger picture. The, the, entire, the entirety of the frame but if you look at like their PPR finishes, Travis Kelsey, PPR points per reception. How many points do you accrue in your leagues? Travis Kelsey finished number one with 312.8. Logan, uh, my bad, Darren Waller, Oakland Raiders finished with 280.5. The next closest, take a guess. Don't worry, I'll wait. <laughs> Yes, it's Logan Thomas. But what if I told you that Logan Thomas was number three, but it was only by less than a point, like less than a full point. Number four was TJ Hawkinson. Logan Thomas had 176.6 total PPR points last year. <laughs> TJ Hawkinson, who played in fewer games, dealt with more injuries, had 175.3. And then poor Evan Ingram, <laughs> who we're just forgetting about. He had 143. So he wasn't really even close. Do you know Evan? You, we talk about touchdowns, right? Touchdowns. What if I told you that Evan Ingram is getting slighted because he just doesn't score touchdowns? Travis Kelsey, 11 touchdowns. We all know what touchdowns are, right? They get the ball into the end zone. 
that big large rectangle with usually that has a team name in it where you get six points plus a field goal or if you take a two-point conversion like i gotta break it down for the people that don't know about sports you know what i'm saying but Evan Ingram only had one of those celebrations. <laughs> Travis Kelsey had 11. What if that was the difference between Evan Ingram finishing where he did in fantasy last year and where he did, where he might finish this year? Just touchdown volume. We talk about positive, we talk about negative regression all the time. We have to talk about positive regression as well and that Evan Ingram could be better this year. Now, of course... Darren Waller finished with nine touchdowns and uh, TJ Hawkinson and TJ Hawkinson and Logan Thomas both finished with six. So it makes me think, well, Hawkinson and Ingram were like, I mean, Hawkinson and Thomas were literally right there with each other. I mean, Thomas had 110 targets. Hawkinson had 101. Receptions was like only five off from each other. Yards were kind of similar. TJ Hawkinson actually had more yards. Air yards, uh, Thomas won that by about 70 yards. But the touchdowns being equal makes me think that a lot of the tight end position has to do with the value of touchdowns and them getting into the end zone. How much of a centerpiece are you in your offense? That can be the difference between tight end one tight territory, which it's not that hard to do, in my opinion, as far as tight ends. Or you just being a forgotten man, a forgotten hero, <laughs> no matter how good we think you play. So that's talking about tight ends. But another fun fact for you, because, you know, I'm not going to just give you a fun fact and then like not give it all the way to you. Talk about running backs. Did you know that there were only two running backs in the entire National Football last year, league last year that had uh, over 100 uh, targets? The first one is Alvin Kamara. I'll let you take a quick guess at who's the second one. <laughs> no, it wasn't Christian McCaffrey. He didn't even play. <laughs> nope, it's not Devin Montgomery. It's not, it's not Jonathan Taylor. Nope. It's not Derrick Henry. No, I don't even know why you think he catches the ball at that like that. Who else you gonna say? Saquon? Nah, he was hurt. Who else? Zeke? Nah. Mm -mm. It's not nobody that you're gonna think off of the top of your head. Chris Carson? Nah, he started off the year catching a lot of passes from Russ, getting a lot of touchdowns, but that kind of faded out. James Robinson. Nah, you getting close though. Not really getting close. I'm just trying to say that. Just so you keep killing. All right, all right, all right. You can stop guessing. You can stop guessing. Oh, you want to keep going? All right, give me one more. Wrong. But if you said the answer was J.D. McKissick, then my friend, you're right. Did you know that J.D. McKissick had more targets last year than Alvin Kamara with 110 while Alvin Kamara had 107? He was only three receptions away from Alvin Kamara, 83 to 80. Well, about 100 or so plus yards away for reception, receiving yards. Alvin Kamara had 756. J.D. McKissick had 580, 589. <laughs> McKissick definitely had more air yards. 
Kamara definitely had more yards after catch. Kamara had more touchdowns, five to two. Average depth of target, meaning I'm gonna explain that in a in a little bit. Average depth of target. It's it's close to each other. Really close. It's literally like one point off. <laughs> but if you look at their PPR totals and where they finished, Alva Kamara had 377 points. Jenna McKissick had 188.1. So it lets you know that as a running back, yeah, you can get carries. If you if you are a guy that is a running back that can catch as well, as, as well as get the carries, the workload. We talked about all the different stats that matter as a running back last week. In the last episode, I should say. So if you're getting that volume, carrying the rock, the pigskin, the most valuable possession as a, as a football player, and then you get targets adding on to that in the passing game, you're going to be elite. You're going to finish high. But however, if you don't get those amount of carries and you are solely used as a, as a I don't want to say a gadget guy, but you're used as a, how your offense attends on you being used as a receiving threat. Only it's going to reduce your ceiling a little bit. But that's a fun fact as we get into this real talk. But just to make it crazier for you, Guess how many receivers finished with over 100 targets last year? And guess who led the league in targets? I'm actually going to tell you because I don't want you to be guessing forever because it's kind of self-explanatory. Stephon Diggs, 168. DeAndre Hopkins, 160. Allen Robinson, 151. Devontae Adams, 149. Keenan Allen, 147. And probably the biggest shocker in the top six was Deontay Johnson with 144. Now, Deontay Johnson was the only one out of that top six that I gave you that had less than 100 receptions. He only had 88. He had a lot of drops. A lot of drops last year. So it definitely affected his upside. But in that next range, receivers that got over 130 targets. Amari Cooper, 130. Robert Woods, 130. Tyler Lockett, 132. Tyreek Hill, 134. Terry McLaurin, 134. Robbie Anderson, 138. Calvin Ridley, 143. If you said Moon Vibes, who is a receiver that's not in this top 12, I guess you could say, that or 13 that could be in that next range that can jump up and get those amount of targets that over 130. I would love to say DK Metcalf. I would love to say Cooper Cup because the Rams going to be flinging it all over the place this year, especially with Cam Akers injuries. Prayers up to him, his family, and uh, I'm giving him strength and praying for strength in his recovery process. Who's a receiver that could drop out? Robbie Anderson. He had 138 targets. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen again this year, even though Sam Darnold loves him some Robbie. There's another receiver that can jump up. Justin Jefferson, possibly. DJ Moore, possibly, can get 130. 
It's crazy. It makes you think. It really makes you think. But guess who finished at the bottom of the list? At least in that range, it's over 100. Jarvis Landry with 101. Devontae Parker with 103. AJ Green, 104. You mean to tell me AJ Green and everything that he went through last year with the Cincinnati Bengals, this man had 104 targets? Yup. But where he was down is that he only had 40, 47 receptions. Crazy. Michael Gallup. You know, Michael Gallup actually tied AJ Brown with targets with 106 apiece. <laughs> the difference was the catches. The difference was the yards after catch. And the difference definitely was touchdowns because A.J. Brown had 106 targets. He's in that range, but he's the only receiver that I'm about to mention. Besides Adam Thielen that had over 10 touchdowns in this range. He had 11, A.J. Brown. Adam Thielen had 14. Extremely efficient. Could have been more efficient catching the ball. Tyler Boyd, 109. Only four touchdowns last year. C.D. Lamb who I think is going to have a great season. He had five touchdowns last year. But he also had 109 targets. Mike Evan, 109. So you mean to tell me that Tyler Boyd, CeeDee Lamb, and Mike Evans all had 109 targets? What was the difference, Moon Vibes? Well, Mike Evans led them in yardage <laughs> and receiving yards. If we if we being honest, Mike Evans also led them in touchdowns because he had 13 his jersey number. But where I get even more surprising in this conversation is that Cooper Cup, in a year where he dealt with some some things, only had three touchdowns and he had 125 targets. That's the same number of targets that Justin Jefferson had. In fact, Cooper Cup kept, caught more balls than Justin Jefferson. What was, the, what was the differentiating factor? Yards. Justin Jefferson had 1,400 to Cooper Cup's 978. And Cooper Cup had three touchdowns compared to Justin Jefferson's seven. Oh, there's a guy out there that's getting a, not getting a lot of love and everybody seems to be fading him like he can't play football anymore. And I think they're just so caught up in the TikToks. That's Juju. Juju had 128 targets last year. 128. <laughs> like, to give you context, DK Metcalf had 129. And Juju caught more passes than DK Metcalf. The only problem is that DK Metcalf was more explosive who had 1,300 yards receiving. But Juju caught 97 passes, so he just was not efficient because why? The offense was not efficient. Juju's average depth of target last year, 5.9 yards. <laughs> no, 5.49 yards. My apologies. I got to actually say the actual stat. DK Metcalf's 12.93. It makes you think. And I mention all these numbers not to confuse you, not to make you say, oh, moon, I'm getting so caught up and dry up by the numbers and everything. I can't do it. I can't do it. Nope, I won't do it. I'll tell you one last number to make you really think. This, I'm mentioning targets because it seems to me that, like, yes, it has a lot to do with you catching the ball, but some of these targets are not catchable. Like, you're just, you're just because you're dealing with a quarterback that's just not good. And that's the case for a player like 
Jerry Judy, who had 113 targets last year. That's more than Chase Claypool, C.D. Lamb, Mike Evans, Tyler Boyd, Adam Thielen, T. Higgins, Cole Beasley. But guess what? Jerry Judy only had 52 receptions. 52. <laughs> he has to go up from there. The man only had three touchdowns. But she was like, Moon, well, who finishes? Oh, none of that matters. None of that matters. Well, yes, it does because Jerry Judy finished at the bottom of the list out of qualifying receivers that had over 100 targets. Jerry Judy finished at the bottom of the list, but only in front of AJ Green with 155.6 PPR points. That's bottom. But guess who finished at the top, though? Devontae Adams, <laughs> Tyreek Hill. Stefan Diggs. Those are the top three that, that, that we had last year. And Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill were only separated by two points. Literally. Well, actually, I'm tripping. Stefan Diggs and Tyreek Hill, fun fact, were separated by 0.3 of a PPR point last year. 328.9 for Tyreek Hill to 328.6 last year for Stefan Diggs. Well, Moon, what what was it? What what was it? Why did they finish so close like that? Well, Tyreek Hill had 15 touchdowns, which I definitely feel like is going to come down. But Stephon Diggs only had eight. I think that goes up this year. We talk about yards. Stephon had 300 plus more yards, about 300 yards more than Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill actually caught more. Uh, Stephon Diggs actually... If I'm looking at these numbers correctly, Stefan Diggs had about 40 more receptions than Tyreek Hill. So it goes to screaming just A dot, A dot, A dot, A dot. But it's not that far off either. It's only separated by two points. So why are you saying this? All are you talking about? Because today we're going to be focusing on wide receivers and tight ends and telling you the stats that actually matter when it comes to this. So in this version of Real Talk, I tell you this. When it comes to the positions that get a lot of glamour and hype, the wide receiver's position, and the position that seems to get faded in fantasy football because a lot of people don't want to talk about anything besides the first top 12 tight ends. Everything else is just just murky waters that they're stepping into. I come to you to tell you what you need to look out for and pay attention to as we get into this next NFL season because... Your livelihood and fantasy can really depend on how deeper do you go beyond the surface to check out all of this. And what I'm using as a tool, I'll drop it at the end of the show. But it just really makes you think. That's Real Talk, presented by Real Ones Productions. Coming up next in the show... We just gonna get straight to it. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm, I'm serious. We just gonna get straight to it. Let's just go. Why not? You know what I'm saying? Why not? Fact or fiction? <laughs> this is um, brought to you by Fantasy Pros. They are one of my sources that I use to keep up to date with all the latest news going on around the NFL. They're just one of my sources. Don't be like, oh, don't moon and just use Fantasy Pros. Nope. <laughs> use way more than that. 
But I'm about to tell you what is fact and what is fiction based on my gut, my feelings, and everything that I feel going into this week. Um, so, coming up first, we're going to start with today's news. According to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, he reports that the New York Jets signed wide receiver Elijah Moore to his rookie contract. Congratulations. Uh, Elijah Moore receives a four-year contract of 88.94 mil. And is guaranteed for the first three years. That's a flex. Congratulations, Elijah Moore. Apparently, the rookie has been lighting it up in the Jets minicamps and OTAs. And he could be significant. Got to put extra sauce on that word. Significant contributor in year one. Of a Jets franchise is just like, oh my gosh, we're not the same Jets of old, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but... The Jets also brought back Jamison Crowder and signed Corey Davis to a long-term contract. Denzel Mims, who we're all waiting on to pop, is also on the roster and will look to take a step forward with a quarterback that can get him the ball. But with new quarterback Zach Wilson at the helm, we're hoping and praying that Elijah Moore can, you know, figure out a nice role within this offense and come to life this year. And if you're in a redraft league, I was considered maybe, just maybe, especially if it's really deep, um, keeping an eye out for him and putting him on your watch list. Because I told you in a previous show, wide receivers, rookie wide receivers especially, you want to pick them up as soon as you see that big wild game from them. And it doesn't have to be like the big game. It just has to be their first spark moment. So let's say they haven't been getting any play time and you've just been hearing them raving. And let's say you see that spark in uh, the preseason or the regular season. Add them to your waiver wire. Add them from the waiver wire. Put a, put a watch tab on them so you can keep up to date with everything that's going on with them. And then as soon as you see that little spark, add them to your roster. This is called maximizing your opportunity by trusting your eyes on what you see. But that's the latest going on with Elijah Moore. Congratulations on the contract. Also talking about contracts, Trey Sermon with the San Francisco 49ers, third-round rookie running back. He signed a four-year rookie contract with San Francisco. Now, the thing with Trey Sermon was that he just lacked opportunity at Oklahoma, which meant that he transferred to Ohio State, and he shined there. They shined bright. He had 524 yards and three touchdowns in his final two games as a Buckeye on the biggest stages of them all. Now, Trey Sermon is a high-level talent player. And he's, he's currently being drafted as running back 37 in ADP. Average draft position. To me, it just screams great value. Especially if you're using risky picks on wide receivers and tight ends that I told you about earlier. And then when you factor in Kyle Shanahan uses a running back by committee approach, and we see that, you know, throughout his time and his tenure and the different stops that he's made. Steve Slayton, Alfred Morris, and Devontae Freeman are like total knocks to that because they actually could be the work the workhorse running back. Those are examples of outstanding factors but when you talk about the the 49ers dealing with so many injuries already in the offseason with Jeff Wilson being hurt and Raheem Mostert 
who's fast as lightning, but he can't stay on the field and he can't stay healthy. It just screams value for getting Trey Sermon. So I would definitely draft him in your redraft leagues this year. And if you're in dynasty leagues, then I can tell you to pick him up and just wait it out. As soon as you see that spark, don't be afraid to take him off your taxi squad. <laughs> Coming up next in factor fiction. Those two were, I don't really need to give no facts and fiction about them. Cause you know, those there's that's contract news, but news that kind of broke was Jeff Okuda. Defensive back for the Detroit Lions in the Detroit Lions secondary that was getting roasted, toasted. I'm talking about oven roasted. Honey turkey, the Detroit Lions. I didn't know this, but he went through, he had growing a situation and he underwent a core muscle surgery on both sides last season in December, according to Ian Rappaport. And he's apparently fully recovered from that core muscle surgery and was given a clean bill of health entering into training camp. While he tore core muscle on one side in 2020, he had a surgery to repair both, said Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. The non-injured side of, for a precaution, because if you tear one, you often tear the other. Now, the number three pick in the 2020 NFL draft tallied 47 tackles and an interception over nine games and the blue and silver. He should be all systems go as we go for training camp. And... His presence on the field should look to help a Lions defense in the secondary that allowed a crazy, I mean, mind-blowing, super fragile Castellanos-Espialidosis. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right. 285 yards per game through the air last season. That ranked 31st among all NFL teams. 31st? Let's just say... It was trash. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's going to be too much for them because they still ranked 31st among all defenses um, in, the la in the league last year. So I'm avoiding the Detroit Lions defense in all ways this year. But fact or fiction, Jeff Okuda is going to be starting cornerback for the Detroit Lions in week one. I say that's a fact. Coming up next in Factor Fiction, Zach Ertz apparently has a good chance of remaining with the Eagles. According to Howard Eskin, he heard from sources that Zach Ertz will be present with the team at the beginning of training camp and will likely open the season with Philadelphia. Apparently, according to Eskin, Zach Ertz is quote-unquote over the issues he had with the team. What were their issues? I don't really know. I'm guessing the contract situations. I'm guessing the arrival of Dallas Goddard had something to do with it. But I don't think that he's a dynamic tight end anymore. And I think that those good glory days are behind him. But it's crazy because just two seasons, three seasons ago, it felt like he was like one of the best tight ends in the entire league. Does it have to do with him losing talent or does it have to do with him losing opportunity? That's the question that you're going to have to decipher if you're thinking about drafting Zach Ertz this year or if you're just a fan of the Eagles or Titans, period, and you're going to have to ask yourself, is he really still that guy? And he just doesn't have the opportunity to showcase that he's that guy? Or is he not that guy anymore and he thinks that he is, but he's not going to get that opportunity? 
if he stays with the Eagles, then this hurts Dallas Goddard's value a little bit because I still think he's going to be the tight end one going into this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. However, this is something that you need to keep in mind. Does Dallas Goddard start the season as the tight end one for the Philadelphia Eagles? I said, that's fiction. Give me Dallas Goddard and sign me up. That's what that Conor McGregor mean. Sign me up. <laughs> Other news that dropped yesterday. Fred Warner signed a contract extension with the 49ers. According to Adam Schefter on Twitter. He signed for a five years, 95 million extension with 40.5 million guaranteed. Talk about backing up the Brinks truck. It makes him the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. The 24-year-old All-Pro is a dynamic and versatile linebacker that you can build your defense around and you can play the Seattle type of scheme that the 49ers played with, uh, with Robert Silla. And he's that guy that you can use that has been developing into a nice player. I was talking to one of my good friends and I told him yesterday when this news dropped, I said, I don't know if I would take him over Darius Leonard or Bobby Wag, Bobby Wagner. I was about to call him Bobby Wags <laughs> or some of the or Devin White. But if you're talking about off ball linebackers, I definitely think that he's up there. And I and when you talk about the market, like it doesn't really matter if you're the best. It just matters if you are on time. And it just happens to be his time to get be the highest paid inside linebacker in the entire league. Fact or fiction, is he worth the money? I said that's fact. He's worth the big bucks. That's why the back, that's why the Brinks trucks is backing up into his driveway. <laughs> My question now becomes do the San Francisco 49ers still stay a top five defense? In the National Football League, scratched them being healthy, just without Robert Sala anymore. The same question I have with the 49ers is the same question that I have for the Los Angeles Rams with them losing Brandon Staley to the head coaching position for the Chargers, and Robert Sala got the head coaching position for the New York Jets. It makes you think. Those are the questions that we're going to have to decipher. And then. We have some other news coming out earlier in the week, but I don't really want to talk about it a lot, but I'm just going to mention it. I mentioned it before. Cam Akers suffered a torn Achilles uh, this week, um, and this happened Tuesday, and it was kind of like a really big gut blow for the community um, and just fantasy football and for the Los Angeles Rams. So let's take a moment of silence for the Rams fans. Thank you. Buddy didn't die or nothing. They just acting like he did because they acting like this season is, is over. But prayers up to him. And I'm not going to joke about anything regarding his injury. I wish him nothing but health and blessings and peace and abundance when it comes to that. And I don't question whether or not for a split second that he's a dog or that he was going to ball out this year. I just didn't have him in my RB1 range, running backs 1 through 12, finishing in PPR leagues. I didn't have him there. And I stand 10 toes down on that. But the news that came out of it is that he's done for the season and then that Daryl Henderson is expected to be a high-end RB2 in that range. And we talk about RB2s. To, for those that don't know, 
they break it down the rankings like this. So quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, kickers, whatever. They they break it down in groups of 12. So 1 through 12, 13 to 24. Um, we got 25 through 30, 32. Like we got that type of vibes. Um, 20 through the, 25 to 36, I should say. Um, and then it's like that. that's how the rankings go. As far as QB1, QB2, QB3, RB1, RB2, RB3. That's how they rank it as far as fantasy football goes. So that hopefully that gave somebody some clarity out there. Like, I don't know what an RB1 or RB2 is, Moon. Well, hopefully I just helped you. But the news is coming against um, Daryl Henderson. And I talked about it on a previous episode. So I don't really feel like I have to go back and do it again. But... The depth chart for the Rams is something that I will talk about because it's kind of lacking in it, but they're seeming to not be panicking right now. And it seems like they trust Daryl Henderson because he's going to pretty much get the first shot and the first crack at taking over the team's uh, backfield right now with Sean McVay. And I just think that this is going to make them have to result to passing the ball more and being more creative. When you lose an explosive player that was on an upward trajectory like Cam Akers. Now, when we talk about Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson was the RB24. So he finished at the low end of RB2, the very low end of RB2. He was 24th running back in weeks 1 through 11. That was before Cam Akers took over the top spot in the depth chart. But during that time, the the guy Daryl Henderson was sharing a, a workload or sharing the duties with Malcolm Brown at that time, and he increased his per carry average from three point eight in two thousand nineteen to four point five in twenty twenty. Per carry average: how many time how many yards do you average every time that you get the ball or get a carry as a running back? He improved it by a good little jump. But they're going to have to monitor everything that comes out of Los Angeles, especially in training camp, as we get into this next, um, this next, next phase of training camp beginning and preseason. You're going to have to manage it because if you are Cam Akers owners, I'm praying for your, your mental health right now. Hopefully you did. <laughs> it's like I know some people out there is like, man, why would you even draft in July? Because people love fantasy football. That's why. <laughs> they love it. I'm not about to wait all the way till till everything kicks off in August to start drafting. Nah, people drafting all year year long. So I'm not gonna blame those people for doing that. But hopefully you did gave yourself an insurance policy and drafted Daryl Henderson. And if you didn't, he's probably already claimed off your waiver wire. So it's not like you can do anything you can do. If you're considering trading for Cam Maker, trading for Cam Makers, then hey, go for it. If you believe that there's no correlation to past injuries with the Achilles, torn Achilles, and uh, running backs. There's no correlation to it. Or you're not trying to put him into or cash his career downhill just because, you know, this injury. Like he's not 22, like he's not young and he can't come back and be even better. I know, I know. But if you're on the opposite end and you, are, you have cam makers, I would consider letting him go. And I would try to run up the price as much as you can and um, get out while the stock is high. Um, I understand that if you're in a win-now situation, I can totally see why you would do it in Dynasty for those people that play Dynasty. 
I would, I would see you totally if you did it. As far as trading cam makers away, because you want to win now. But if you're not in a win now mode, oh, shoot, why not put them on injury reserve and just wait? Especially if you're in the dynasty league, because you never know what could happen. And if you're going to be good and you can stay afloat as the season starts and your team is deep and you have good running backs deep in in the vault, then hey, I would say stick it out for you. But if that value just comes in the trade and you get a crazy trade and people just being 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 dumb. Then hey, take it, exploit it, walk out with that package, and don't think about it at all. And last but not least, in fact or fiction, is Aaron Rodgers coming back to Green Bay? I'm going to say I'm so undecided on this, and I'm not going to be able to give an answer. I'm going to say fact to fiction. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. According to Adam Schefter, Aaron Rodgers turned down a two-year contract extension. This offseason with the Packers. And he said it's not about money. It's not. Obviously, if you turn down a what two-year contract extension, it would have made him the highest played player in football. But Aaron Rodgers has been adamant, like very, very adamant that it's not about money for him. But time is ticking, and training camp is coming closer and closer, and Jordan Love must be bad. You know how bad Jordan Love has to be for the Packers to say, we drafted you in the first round, but we're going to give Aaron Rodgers a, another two-year extension because we don't think that you're ready right now. Think about that. This guy is not as prepared as we might have thought he was. Why do you think they've been hiding all the stuff coming out of camp with him? It just not, it just might not be that. I'm just being honest with you. Just being honest. There's other news that's out there, but I feel like I've really covered it all. We talked about King and Jack before, his role with the Raiders. So I don't really feel like I have to go back into detail. I think that. You know, I said it before that if something happens to Josh Jacobs, then Kenyon Drake's value skyrockets and goes through the roof because he totaled a thousand plus scrimmage yards in each of the past three seasons. Last season, he nearly eclipsed a thousand rushing yards, but in the two prior seasons, he only totaled at least he, he totaled at least 65 plus targets. We just talked about that before 50 plus receptions and 345 receiving yards. I understand that Darren Waller is a clear number one guy in Oakland. I'm not going to call him Las Vegas. I don't care. Be respectful, Moon. I don't care. You're still the Raiders. And every time I think of the Raiders, I think of Oakland. I don't think of Las Vegas. But I guess I got to be respectful. All right. Darren Waller is a clear number one pass catcher and a, and a threat for the Oakland Raiders. I'm just playing. <laughs> they like, oh, I'm about to turn the podcast off. <laughs> No, chill, chill, relax. Like Aaron Rodgers say, R-E-L-A-X. Breathe. <laughs> and then you got the other news, like Melvin Ingram signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers that happened recently, this week. I think that it improves, but I think that he's going to be used as a situational pass rusher in this, in this, in this uh, situation because they still have Alex Highsmith. Um... By backing up TJ Watt. And I think it's a good move for Ingram and it's a good move for the Steelers. Because I know that the Steelers have a very experienced coaching staff. So, you know, I think that they're going to get the best out of him, especially since Ingram is 32. 
and a lot of people say that that's the decline years of your of your uh of your tenure in a, in the National Football League, especially if you are a uh, defensive end slash outside linebacker or pass rush specialist. But for being one year, hey, why not take a risk? Why not see if we can generate pass rush, especially since we lost Bud Dupree and free agency to the Tennessee Titans? Crazy. Crazy. Wait. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know I'm not hearing what I think I hear. I might as well say it. Fact or fiction. Does Melvin Ingram have a big impact with the Pittsburgh Steelers this year? That's too broad of a question. Like, big impact, I'm like, well, it depends on how big of an impact you mean. Like, if they're going to use him as a situational pass rusher, then it's only so much of an impact you can have. That's going to come on third down, and that's the money down. So, yeah, the impact could be big if he's productive in that time. But the better question would be, does Melvin Ingram get over 10 sacks this year? My gut feeling says no. No. And I know it's deeper than just sacks. I know it has a lot to do with it. As a pass rusher, it has a lot more to do with sacks. Can you generate pressure? So many things go into it that I'm saying. The end-all, be-all. Sacks matter as a stat. Does it get over 10? I'm going to say no. <laughs> but that's facts of fiction. And I'm going to call that one fiction. <laughs> and this is presented by Fantasy Vibes, a segment only and truly exclusive to here. Coming up next in the show, we got Moon's Mailbag. And boy, do they have some questions for me today. <laughs> got a lot of questions. Where do we even start? I don't even know. Question from New Orleans. Moon, who should we root to win between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill? I talked about this before, so I'm not going to um, go super in-depth with it, but it kind of is very, I'm not going to say it's simple, but this is how I feel. And I tweeted about this a couple of days ago because I saw a lot of tweets coming out about this whole competition between Taysom and the, apparently people think that Taysom Hill is going to be the starter. Apparently, you know, this is what they think. And I don't know why, because he's not productive. He's just a flashier pick, but he's not, he's not the fundamental pick. And I have to just admit the, who should they be rooting for? I'm going to say Jameis Winston. It just, it, it just makes sense, right? But I, I want to talk about this, bro. I really want to. And I'm trying to find my tweet right now so I can reference it when I'm talking about this. But I really don't feel like I need it because it really comes down to numbers, situation. And I feel like we have to, we have to honor that. We have to put, put respect on Jameis' name. All right. I said... The mystery case of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara's value. You can add Adam Trotman. You can add Traquan Smith. You can add uh, who else? Latavius Murray. You can add whoever is on the Saints offense that is hoping to be productive. The mystery case on their production and their value this year is going to be solved with the inclusion of Jameis Winston in this offense for the New Orleans Saints. In fact, he is your best chance to make it to the Super Bowl quote-unquote aspirations that y'all have. 
I don't know why y'all feel like y'all gonna get there, but hey, listen, whatever Super Bowl quote unquote aspirations that y'all have, he's the best guy to get it get you there. Think about it. Taysom Hill is a player that has been gifted with the ball in his hands. And that's an offense where the value of others, Michael Thomas and Kamara, since they're two, they're two of the high-profile stars, the value for those players are, is limited because of Taysom Hill's inability, what we've seen so far, to get playmakers in, besides himself involved. Jameis, if we just look at the stats, Jameis has passed for 4,000 yards in multiple times. Multiple seasons. And Taysom Hill has yet to put up a thousand passing yards in three seasons of his illustrious career. That's all of his three seasons combined. He still doesn't have over a thousand passing yards. Career totals. Why are we making this more difficult than there has to be? I really just hope that Sean Payton makes the right decision at the end because I just need him to. But I guess that we're going to just have to wait until training camp so we all can see what we already know, and that is Jameis is better for the New Orleans Saints Super Bowl, quote-unquote, aspirations, expectations. And I'm saying this as a Falcons fan. Taysom Hill has 1,047 passing yards in 17 games started, and he only has four passing touchdowns. And that's y'all quarterback? Now, trust me, this is nothing against Taysom Hill. Nothing. But let's, we're just making this more complicated than it is. We talk about it all the time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody in between. We talk about it. And y'all know I love y'all. But sometimes you got to give tough love because I don't want y'all to be drinking the Kool-Aid and then you wondering why, why you got on the risk of having diabetes. and then. I'm sitting there like you shouldn't have drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> like you shouldn't not even that you shouldn't have drunk the Kool-Aid, you shouldn't have put that much sugar in it. Y'all putting all this, it's like Dev Leper, you putting all this, pour some sugar on me with Jason Hill. And I don't understand it. Four passing touchdowns and 17 total games started. Meanwhile, Jameis Winston, on the other hand, has 19,812 passing yards and 121 touchdowns with the number that we're gonna see, and the number that we're gonna care about. It's the 88 interceptions. <laughs> and I know. I know. LASIK Jameis. That's the new Jameis that we got. And, and I know. He, he has he has that wor workouts that are just doesn't make sense. It's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> they wonder. And they're like, bro, what are you, what, what's going on? What are you doing with the towel? You got a dog chasing you. What are you doing with the towel? It's a classic case of, come on, man. <laughs> but listen. Don't knock the method until you try it first and foremost. And then again, you can't tell me what's going to work for you is going not going to work for me. Like it works for him. It seemed like it. So now I have to pose a question to the Saints fans. Hey Saints fans, do you want to be the better do you want the better distributing quarterback for an offense to help increase the production of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara or do you want Highlight Hill? For those people that saying, well, I don't see a correlation between how Jameis being the starter is going to make Alvin Kamara's or Michael Thomas's value increase, it's common sense. Like, just think about it. If you watched last year and watched the games, New Orleans' offense was just 
static and basic as heck when Taysom Hill was a starter. Now, I understand it wasn't that far of a gap because they had Noodle Arm Drew Brees on the back end of his career in his last season in the league, and he was, couldn't even push the ball down the field. You mean to tell me that Jameis can't push the ball down the field, even as reckless as he is? That is going to increase average depth of target. That is going to increase air yards. That is going to increase all the stats that we care about for the wide receivers and the running backs that we love. Yes, why am I talking so boldly and passionate about it? Because I don't want you to drink the Kool-Aid thinking that Taysom Hill is going to be the guy. But Thomas's value is going to change because he's going to get more opportunities. You can have all those opportunities in the world, but if you're not consistent, what is it going to really mean? AKA, you can have the more, you can have all the volume in the world, but if you're not consistent, what is it going to mean? You can have, you're just going to be the Juju Smith-Schuster of this year if you got Taysom Hill as a quarterback. I promise you. Michael Thomas will be Juju Smith-Schuster of this year if he gets this situation. I ain't going to say you're going to be Jerry Judy, but the reason why, you're going to have all these targets, right? But you're going to have limited production and limited, limited efficiency, which is going to impact your stats and it's going to impact your you on the team because your quarterback can't push the ball down the field. And your quarterback is stealing touchdowns away from you. Yes, Taysom will be more prepared and he'll have a better feel for the speed of the game and Sean Payton's mind because he's been with Sean Payton longer. I get it. But for those people that don't see it, we saw Alvin Kamara's production go through the roof. I mean, go, I mean, go down the hill when Taysom Hill was a starter. Whether it was taking touchdowns away from a a AK or him can't even throw screen passes on the money. <laughs> you can see Alvin Kamara visibly frustrated last season if you go back and watch the games. And they had to really change the entire offense for him. The answer is Jameis. And I understand why we got to make this more complicated. Coming up next in Mo's mailbag. <laughs> Ah, man, man, man. Should we buy Zach Wilson as a late-round QB option? I'll tell you like this. Yes. 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 <laughs> Daniel Bryan, hands up in the air. Put your hands up in the air. Put your hands up in the air. And just scream, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's how it feels, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just be honest. Zach Wilson, he's going to impress people this year. He's going to be this year's version of Justin Herbert last year. Why? Because he actually has some pieces around him. You have his offensive line that's getting better. Elijah Vera Tucker just signed his rookie contract. They already got Makai Becton. They put pieces in place for him to ball out and be successful. I understand the receiving core needs some work, but Jamison Crowder ain't no scrub. I don't want no script. He's not one. And then we talk about, let's just be honest, Denzel Mims, I know I can expect more. I'm not on the Chris Herndon, Christopher Herndon train anymore. I've been left. I, I got off that a long time ago. <laughs> I realized it was just going in circles. But Corey Davis being there is enticing. <laughs> Elijah Moore being there is enticing. Michael Carter being there is enticing. I cannot lie. Tyler Johnson is still there, if I'm not mistaken. Enticing. He could definitely be a late round uh, pickup, and they're going to be more explosive on the offense 
just check out who their offensive coordinator is in your free time. Just to think, just a thing for you. Late round, yes, because especially if you are in a dynasty, if you're in a dynasty that's going like two quarterback leagues, he should be coming off the board like around the fifth or the sixth round for you. If you're in one quarterback leagues, redraft leagues, I would take the risk in late round too. I, if if I didn't have to draft a quarterback and I can just pick up Zach Wilson Wilson off the waiver wire. It's the same thing that I feel with Cam. Like, not I'm comparing Cam and uh, Zach Wilson, but because they're two totally different careers, and one hasn't even played a down in the NFL yet. But what I'm saying is, if you can get them in fantasy football at the cheapest price possible, then go for it. Pick them up on the waiver wire, bro. Pl- t- tell me. But I will say that if you're not confident that Zach Wilson is a starter. Or we're not confident that he's going to be that productive. Or if you're somebody that has Justin Fields um, or Trey Lance, for example, and you need and you need to find a quarterback to replace or fill in that gap, look no further than Killer Kirk Cousins. <laughs> look no further. I already broke down his stats before. I'm just saying. But yes. Zach Wilson, late round QB option, absolutely, and I'll be comfortable with that too, because I would be, I would just be growing with, growing with him. I'll be growing as he grows. If he has a bad game, shoot, he has a bad game. If he has a great game, I'm celebrating like crazy. But either way, I'm still gonna be happy. Oh man, who are? 2021's projected alpha target hogs for the entire NFL season. Target hogs for the entire NFL season. If we're being honest, they include DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf, Allen Robinson, like always. I'm still going to say Keelan Allen. I'm still going to say Robert Woods. I'm going to put Cooper Cup up there too because they're going to be passing a lot. Cannot forget about Deontay, I mean, Devontae Adams. The only reason I left them out at the top right now is just because Aaron Rodgers, we don't know if he's coming back. And I, and I do just believe that this dude is trash. Like, I mean, not, not Devontae Adams, but I'm talking about Jordan Love. It was like, wait, you going to Devontae Trash? Turn the podcast off. <laughs> nah, chill. I'm calling Jordan Love that. But I still believe AJ Brown will be a target machine this year. I still believe that Julio could possibly be a target machine. I'm still on the Deontay Johnson hype train. I know that they will pass the ball more, but I think he will still lead the team in targets. And a wild card that... Probably nobody's going to expect me to say. And I know, I know, I know, I know. But if I had to pick one wide receiver that say that that can be in that fringe that could get a lot of targets from this season, I'm going to say two of them for you that can crack 130 targets. I'm going to say T. Higgins. Yeah, I'm going to say T. Higgins, and I'm going to say Jerry Judy. Those are the two ones I'm going to say. Now, we're going to see what Jerry Judy does. Honorable mention might be, 
honorable mention as far as getting 130 plus like targets. Can't forget about Mike Evans potentially, but I just don't see it because I, I don't really trust. I don't. I'm not gonna trust that situation. Juju possibly. But my last one, he's probably my favorite wide receiver of this whole bunch. And I don't care what they say about Ryan Fitzpatrick, aka Ryan Fitzmagic. But Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin is going to finish up there too. It's tar Alpha Tiger Hawks coming up this year. If I had to say like a wild, wild card of a player that's not on the radar, but that that could easily that could finish up there, give me Darnell Mooney. I'm gonna say Darnell Mooney that could finish up there, just because I think that the Bears will pass the ball more this season as Justin Fields gets more developed because I'm not sold on Andy Dalton at all. But that is what I feel about the Target Hawks. And uh, do we have another question? One last one before we get out of this uh, Moon's mailbag? We have a last one. You got a Falcons question? Oh, no. We don't talk about the Falcons. Oh, man. They're going to make me emotional today. <laughs> they said... Are are the best days of Matt Ryan in the past? I don't want to answer that question. Y'all have another one? Because <laughs> no, his best days are not in the past. That's 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 blasphemous. That's really blasphemous. Okay, I got another one. Is Mike Davis the cheapest three down back available? Cheapest three down back? Um, let me look at ADP real quick. Let me see who's going in that range. We don't know if Damian Harris is a three-down back yet. He hasn't proved it. But we saw last year that your boy is definitely a three-down back. Mike Davis, that is. Let's talk about cheap. Where can I get him? Tony Pollard's on a three-down back. Jamal Williams on a three-down. Naeem Hines, definitely not. Latavius Murray, Madison is not. Singletary and Gus Edwards are no. J.D. McKissick is not a three-down back, even though we talked about him earlier. Daryl Henderson, his 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 value is going to go up, so I can see it. A.J. Dillon is on a three-down back. Kane Drake is probably in that this is consideration, but like even at that time, I can't say it because you still got competition with Josh Jacobs, and he's probably going to get the early down work. Don't really. I'm, I like James Conner, but it's like I'm still a Chase Edmonds guy. Ronald Jones is interesting because I really do feel like he has all the capabilities to put up three down back type situations for Tampa Bay and be used on the field. But I just think that they just like Leonard Fournette way too much. Like, if you talk about cheapest, um,. Man, that's kind of, that's, yeah. It's between him and Miles Gaskin, honestly. And Mike Davis's ADP is in the fourth round. Fourth round. If I'm getting him, hey, I like it. Now I know that the Falcons are going to use more than just one running back. You need to pay attention to Quadre Olison. Quadre Olison, you need to pay attention to Javion Hawkins. Just to name two names that I'm really interested to see this year. But Mike Davis showed in the past that he can carry down three down work for the Panthers. And that's the reason why we make that signing in the offseason. And I think that Arthur Smith is going to use him. So that's going to be my question for that. And that is Moon's Mailbag presented by the good people on Twitter. <laughs>
Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Coming up next in the show, we have the main course, the the entree, entrees, plural. You know, because we gotta make you eat good. We gotta feed your spirit. We gotta feed you this information, right? We're gonna continue our stats that actually matter, but we're gonna talk about the wide receivers and the tight ends. What stats actually matter for you? And I'm gonna break it down to you in a way where I'm not going to, you know, do the most, but I'm gonna put it to you in a way where you can hopefully understand and pick up on and why these stats actually matter. Now, if I go to wide receivers, you look at the, all the stats that people mention and stuff. We, we can categorize it as like very strong stats that correlate to PPR points, points per reception, for those that still don't know yet, and scoring. And we can see the correlation between those. This, this is what we're trying to point out. What is the correlation between the points that we get in PPR and where did they come from? And where did the players finish in PPR ranks that finish high in these categories? For quarterbacks, we talked about completed air yards. We talked about red zone attempts. We mentioned for the running backs, we talked about snaps, implied touches. We also talked about green zone attempts. For wide receivers, it's a little bit more complicated because first off, I got to tell you that stats are already built into your league scoring, so you need to know that. And the your scoring settings for your league determines the overall production for a player or players or your team but stats like passing touchdowns rushing yards receptions are all part of the scoring setting for most leagues that's the things that we look at that's the things that we glamorize but what about the stats that actually matter that we just don't talk about we don't have to really look at a player performing well in all areas but if you can pinpoint the areas that matter to you the most the areas that you're not going to wait, like you're not going to waver on, you're going to stand 10 toes down. Or you need, you're trying to choose between two players and you need to know which one you need to draft. And you need to go on the one that has these stats that actually matters. So this is what you're looking for to give yourself an edge this season. But you talked about it before. There's stats that are volume stats and there's stats that are efficiency stats. Efficiency stats measure how well the player does with those opportunities or the volume. Volume stats are focused on the total performance or the, the role that a player has in an offense or in a game. These are things like targets, receptions, rushing attempts. Efficiency stats are, can be seen just by looking at the percentages, completion percentages, efficiency, pass rush rate, efficiency. Like... These are the stats that we look at. So, again, like I always say, it's important to be good with the ball in your hands, but if you don't ever get the ball, how are you going to show how good you are? So, <laughs> in the words of Hollywood Brown, kind of not exact words, but how you going to have the dogs and you don't feed them? You don't use them. You don't, you don't, you don't make them. They hungry, but they can't even eat because you're not giving them the ball. So this is, the, this is the stats that actually don't matter when it comes to, to uh, wide receivers. Drop percentage. <clears throat> Deontay Johnson. Cushion. <laughs> ADOT. Yes, I said ADOT. 
they don't really have any correlation to PPR scoring and what that actually means. Or I really can't put the put them as a as a high. They're definitely not high on my list if I'm looking at it. Contested catch percentage, green zone yards per complete yards per catch, true catch percentage, <laughs> red zone touchdowns. Adam Thielen, for example, touch percentage. Then you got things like fumbles. Yards per catch, receiving yards, it's up there, but there's it's, it's more layers to it. Drops is another weak one. Completed air yards per reception. Target percentage, that's a big one that people use, target percentage. What are the stats that actually matter? Receiving yards, 96% of correlation to fantasy points. How many receiving yards do you get in a game? Targets, we talked about that earlier. 95% of it is targets. Receiving yards, no, receptions, my bad, 94%. Total air yards, 91%. Very strong. Snap percentage is very strong. Completed air yards. The snaps that you get a game. And another one that I'll say is strong. Completed air yards a game is strong. It's very strong. And I'm only focusing on the very strong ones. Because, yes, green zone fantasy points matters. Yes, contested receptions matters. So we got to decipher through all the, the, the stuff in the muck and say, what are the stats that actually matter? And I cut it down to this. Receiving yards, targets, receptions. Total air yards, snaps, routes run, yards after catch, receiving touchdowns, target share, and weighted opportunity per reception include is the things that that are all the way up there for me. They're all the way up there for me. And this is the reason why. I'm gonna break it down to you. Well, for the wide receivers, that is. Now, let me just start off by sending you this. For the wide receivers. We already talked about targets and we talked about air yards, but I'm going to keep talking about it. But let me just tell you this. Targets. We mentioned it before. I'm going to tell you the overall stat rank versus the PPR points overall rank in fantasy in the last three years, not including 2020. DeAndre Hopkins ranked number one in targets, but he finishes the wide receiver number two in 2017. You remember Antonio Brown? He ranked number two in total targets. But he finishes the wide receiver number one. Larry Fitzgerald was tied third with targets. And he finishes the number three wide receiver. Jarvis Landry. He finished tied third with Larry Fitzgerald. And he finishes the wide receiver number four in fantasy. That was 2017. What about 2018, Moon? Julio Jones finishes wide receiver number one, but he finishes uh, wide receiver number one in targets, but he finishes wide receiver five when it comes to ranking and PPR points. Demonte Adams, wide receiver number two in targets, finishes wide receiver three in PPR points. Antonio Brown finishes wide receiver number three in targets and wide receiver number two 
in PPR points. 2019, Michael Thomas, wide receiver number one in both categories. Julio Jones, wide receiver number two in targets and three when it comes to PPR points. And Allen Robinson, he finishes the wide receiver number three in targets, which is crazy because he had like 151. And then he finishes wide receiver number eight in PPR points. Now, why does this matter? Now, I told you before, but targets is when a pass is intended for a wide receiver. It doesn't matter if the pass is completed or not. This can be for a wide receiver, a tight end, a receiver, I mean, a, a, a tight end, or anybody that's eligible to catch a pass. A legal receiver, that is. The intent is to showcase to you why this player is of value in the situation because it's showing you the intent of the offense. Targets are used to shine a positive spotlight on what the offense is thinking. Who are they trying to get the ball to? Who do they think are the best players to try to get the ball to? And this gives you insight when it comes to fantasy football because if you can correlate who those targets are, who's getting the bulk of the opportunity, it shows you who has the potential to be more efficient, who can put up numbers. Now, what you do with those targets is up to you. You can be Jerry Judy and not have to do anything, but a lot of it had to do with his quarterback play. Or you can be a Devontae Adams and maximize every target that you kind of got. You want to get the players that get the targets. That is rule number uno because of wide receivers. You got to get the best. You got to get the ball to your best guys. This is what this means. Then we go to the total air yards. And you're like, dang, what does that mean? We talked about air yards before, but total air yards is... It basically takes all of the picture of the entire passing game for the offense into mind. It measures the distance the ball travels from the line of scrimmage where the ball snapped to where the ball is caught or where the ball fell incomplete. Air yards do not include any yards after the catch. You have to know this. But instead, just imagine the play whistle dead at whenever the player catches the ball. The referee blows the whistle every time the player catches the ball. That is what air yards is. So from where the ball is snapped to where he catches it, that equals air yards. Now, the incomplete air yards is hitting information that gives you the total full insight into an offense's intent, just as targets do. Except... Not only does it tell you who the offense wants to get the ball to, like with targets, it also shows you how far down the field the offense is trying to complete passes to that specific player. Do they consider him a deep threat? How do we feel like we can stretch the field with this player? You will begin to develop an idea of whether a team has a receiver running short, intermediate, deep, or a combination of all these type of route concepts. And this is extremely valuable information for you. Now, it can show you how a team is using the receiver in a game plan, but likely the team is going to continue to implement their game plan and that player will be successful in time and convert those incomplete air yards to complete air yards. And you want to be there to get those points in that game and start your players. And you can find more information at airyards.com. 
the top performers in overall stat rank versus PPR points total overall. 2019, wide receiver one in air yards. Total air yards for a wide receiver was Julio Jones. He finishes wide receiver number three in fantasy. Mike Evans, number two wide receiver in total air yards. He finishes wide receiver 13, 15 in fantasy. Odell Beckham Jr. in 2019 finishes wide receiver three in air yards. Um, yeah, total air yards and wide receiver 25. So as you see, it's not a guarantee as nearly as much as you see with targets, but it's still important so you can know how, how an offense is trying to use this player in the game. So targets tell you who the offense is trying to get the ball. Total air yard shows you how is the offense trying to use them down the field. What type of routes are the, is the receiver running? To give you another example, a more, comp, more closer example, 2017, DeAndre Hopkins led the entire NFL as wide receiver number one in total air yards, and he finishes wide receiver number two in fantasy. Antonio Brown, wide receiver number two in total air yards and wide receiver number one in fantasy. Julio Jones, wide receiver number three and number three in air yards and in fantasy. This is important. Very important. So that, that is total air yards for you. Now we talk about the last thing that I feel like should go into there for the wide receivers. And this is not, these are not the, the craziest stats to wrap your mind around. But this one, I'm going to break it down to you in a more, in a deeper way. It's called weighted opportunity rating. Or WOPR, as you would say. You can find this on, what website is it? Let me see. FTNFantasy.com. FTNFantasy.com. Shameless plug on my podcast. That's what that means. But weighted opportunity rating. WOPR is a combination of air yards and targets that we mentioned before. It takes into account the opportunity statistics that we mentioned, like the volume statistics of like a target. What percentage of a team's total targets does the player account for? And then it takes into account air yards, market share, or in layman's terms, what percentage of a team's total air yards does the player account for? So it takes into account the team's total targets that the player accounted for, the percentage, and then it takes account the percentages of a team's total air yards that the player accounts for, the two stats that we just mentioned. And then it combines it into a weighted formula for you. Now, the weights are used to make sure that the stats are calculated to their proper values. But it ensures that the target share is a little bit more than twice as important as air yards market share which is what i just kind of mentioned before now wop wopr is going to be always measured in a decimal form or a percentage with the elite of elite receivers typically scoring about 0.7 plus as far as wopr weighted opportunity rating now the other amazing aspect of this is that it, it is very, you can use it to predict for the future because of the two statistics that they're used to based on. So you can help really to show, if you use that stat, you can use 
it to your advantage when you're looking to figure out, okay, which wide receiver am I going to take in this draft? I'm thinking of Juju and I'm thinking of Deontay uh, Johnson. Which one has the higher weighted opportunity rating? Which one has it? Well, let's take a look at it. Weighted opportunity rating. You can find this on FTN Fantasy. Who had the highest? Wow, look at that. Devontae Adams. They said the normal, the high, uh, the elite is 0.7. Devontae Adams had <laughs> 0.81. Terry McLaurin, 0.73. Or 73. Stefan Diggs, 7-1. That should give you an idea. But then you talk about receivers that are not as high. It's like Keenan Allen, 59. 59%. Tyreek Hill, 59%. You want to know who's the receiver that's up here that nobody's talking about that should be up here and that has a high <laughs> weighted opportunity rating at 65% and it's higher than A.J. Brown, Allen Robinson, and D.K. Metcalf? DJ Moore, just to throw that out there for you. So that is what that rating means. And let's look at the let's look at the finishes for fantasy and what they what they, what do they what does it mean as far as the overall finish? Twenty nineteen, Michael Thomas finished as wide receiver number one in WOPR. He finishes wide receiver number one in fantasy. DeAndre Hopkins finishes wide receiver number two in WOPR. And wide receiver number five in fantasy. Devontae Adams tied wide receiver number three in 2019, but wide receiver 22. He was dealing with his own fair share of things. 2018, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver number one in WLPR and wide receiver number four in fantasy. Julio Jones, wide receiver number two in WLPR, wide receiver number five in fantasy. You see the correlation? Now, last but not least, we gotta, before we get out of here, um, we got to talk about the tight ends. Now, I don't really have to feel like I have to repeat myself, but I'll say, because a lot of the things you can, for the majority of tight end statistics, although they are ranked differently, it still is similar to the wide receiver um, ranking charts that we get into. But if we're talking about the one stat that I feel like should be higher and you can really, it can be the difference between it is this one stat for tight ends. And it's called route run, routes run. And that's 91% correlation to PPR fantasy points. It stat sounds like it is. It measures how many passing routes a tight end ran over a span of time. This is important because the position of a tight end has two major roles, and that is to catch passes and to block. You only get points for one of those in fantasy, and that is to catch passes, not to block. So similar to snaps, your tight end can only catch a pass if he's on the field and he is not blocking. So route run is something that you need to pay attention to when it comes to fantasy. To give you more context for routes run, 
Overall stat rank versus PPR finish. 2019, Travis Kelsey, tight end one in routes run. Tight end one in fantasy. Zach Ertz, we mentioned earlier in the show. Tight end two in routes run. Tight end four in fantasy. Mike Gusecki, tight end number three in routes run. Tight end number 12 in fantasy. 2018, Travis Kelsey, tight end number one in routes run and tight end number one in fantasy. Zach Ertz, tight end number two in routes run, tight end number two in fantasy. Jimmy Graham, tight end number three in routes run, tight end number 12 in fantasy. Those two tight ends we mentioned above, Mike Gusecki and Jimmy Graham, the reason why they probably didn't get up there in, in fantasy finish is because of the touchdown aspect of it. Because there's other things that matter. There's other things that matter. And then I'll talk about some of those stats that matter for a, a, a tight end because it's kind of very similar to a tight end, I mean, the wide receiver chart, but receiving yards, receptions, targets, total air yards, like we mentioned before, routes run, that's the, that's the differentiating factor for me that stands out the most. Yards at the catch, completed air yards, receiving touchdowns, WOPR, like we mentioned, so you have a combination of both of them for us. Snaps, red zone targets. Like, come on. If we have to really just dwindle it down to its simplest form for tight ends, tight ends have two jobs. Block, pass catch. If your tight end does not pass catch a lot, then his, his, his routes run is going to suffer. If he doesn't get on the field for a lot of snaps, then he doesn't have the opportunity to possibly catch. If his offense uses him as a blocker more than he uses him as a wide receiver, and it's going to affect him. So this is what you need. This is the valuable information that I want to share with you as we get into the season. And I did not want to start going into all of my rankings and all of the the, the extra stuff without y'all seeing why I'm saying this as far as my, my stats that actually matter. The article that I referenced to use this is from football.pitcherlist.com. Shout out to, I got to give him credit because I do not want to not give him credit for this. Justin Paradis at FreshMeat.com on Twitter. Thank you. because. You helped the community, you helped the listeners be able to really break this down. I just used it as a, a filter and a funnel to give it to them based on me doing my own research as well. But these are the stats that matter to me, to me for the important positions in fantasy football. And I'm not saying that IDP is not important. You know, defensive players, individual defensive players. I'm not saying that it's not important because it is. I'm not saying that kickers are not important, because they are. But at the same time, we got to talk about the positions that matter that you're going to be drafting. <laughs> that you're going to be drafting and why, that they are, why you're going to be drafting this player. So that the more that you know, the more that you're going to grow. And the more that you decipher, the more that you're going to know. Why? Because you're going to be able to weed out things and say, oh, I don't need this receiver. He has low WOPR, weighted opportunity rating, than this other guy. So 
I can project to the future and say, well, he's going to be more involved in the offense as far as how the offense tried to use him, as far as how they tried to get the ball to him, and how effective and efficient he was, and how many, and, and, and as far as routes run for tight ends. And we talked about running backs and quarterbacks too. So no position was exempt. So hopefully you took something away of that, of value, and hopefully that can be information because why I want you to win your fantasy football championship this year and every year. But you can only do that by getting rid of all the stuff. And like we say, you have to win. You got to be able to decipher through all of that information and figure out what matters and what does not matter. Because this is a game that's taken over in popularity over the last decade. And now it's at a place where everybody seems to want to play. So for me, Hopefully, and I mean hopefully, because I know I dispute out a lot of numbers to you and stuff. But hopefully you understand better and you have a better understanding of not only the different stats that matter, but why they actually matter. You know, it's all about the why, for me at least. So, for this special edition of Fantasy Vibes, I send y'all off into the night, morning, evening. Daytime, whenever you're listening to this, with good vibes, good energy. So, I hope that you enjoy your day. I hope that the energy that you have in your life right now is amazing. And for me, Moon, I send y'all off with good vibes. And like I always say, stay wavy. Hey, Craig. <laughs> hey, bro. You can leave now, dog. Got another episode in the back.